0: you are now listening to creative
1: masters this is the podcast where we interview musicians photographers directors comedians designers and other creatives to discuss how they got started how they got past those bumps in the road and how they built a career off their creativity so let's get right into it i'm your host
0: and i'm team double
1: machine masters to bring you creative masters now let's start the show What's going on, everybody? This is Reggie, aka Nobody Famous. You're listening to the Creative Masters podcast. I can't believe it, but we're already at episode 10. I just want to say a huge thanks to everybody who's actually came on to the podcast, as well as everybody who's listened and supported and shared, left reviews and everything. Right now, we're sitting at a five star rating on iTunes. So thank you to everybody who's been rating and sharing the podcast. And I definitely appreciate you guys listening to it week in and week out. Um, I can't believe it. Like I said, it seems like yesterday I was like, yeah, I'm going to start a podcast. I told my friend about it, um, but we just kind of made it happen so you know the kind of reason why i started the podcast was just to learn more about the creative process from different people who's taking that leap of faith maybe quit their job and turn their passion into a career kind of what drives them and what's the common thread between them and i'm finding it's a lot of hard work a lot of persistence and just getting over those humps and those and those fears to make their dreams reality basically and I'm also just, you know, to just show that you can start something and kind of grow something um, from an idea. So just any people out there who are looking to start something, whether it's pick up photography or produce an album or produce a music video or whatever the case may be, it's really just about getting out there, you know, coming up with the plan and executing that plan and putting that work in. It's gonna be work, but if you put that work in, you're gonna look up before you know it, and you're gonna have momentum, and you're gonna have whatever your goal is is gonna be accomplished. So I, I encourage you guys to do that for sure. Um, also another idea I wanna throw out there real quick is I'm kind of thinking about developing some kind of course or webinar, or roundtable think tank something like that um, for creatives I'm not exactly sure what the topic will be or topics will be but if you guys will hit me up on Instagram or Twitter at nobody Famous and kind of let me know your ideas it might be like we can talk about branding we can talk about goal setting and each other you know each of us hold each other accountable for those goals that we set and things like that so hit me up let me know your ideas or what you would want to learn or what you would want to what kind of community you want to form around a topic and we can definitely make that happen. Um, but like I said, this is just an episode, kind of just a recap of episodes one through nine with snippets of different interviews and things that I found very valuable. And I hope that you guys will get a lot of valuable information out of it as well. Um, in episode one, I talked with my dude, Kareem Fort. He's my former manager and good friend, but he also is the director of Demos Documentary. So in episode one, we talked about um, hustling and networking, not just in on social media, but also in person and um, just being professional, following up on email, how many days you should follow up, how you kind of keep in touch with people that you don't talk to every week or every month and things like that. So we're going to go ahead and get into it. You guys enjoy episode 10 of the Creative Masters Podcast.
2: Hustling is really going above and beyond um, what's expected and, and what you feel you can do. Because, you know, hustling, especially at that time when we first linked up, It was really physically being out in the street. It was really, you know, face to face, having that contact, shaking these people's hands and learning that a lot of the business at that time and still is today, a lot of the business really is about that face to face and being, you know, connecting and being likable. Once you're likable, believe me, just that alone can get you further than just the talent that you might have. You know, I don't know if that's a good or bad thing, but if you have good music on top of being likable, then you can definitely get what you need. So,
1: Yeah, definitely. And speaking of the likable and the networking and things like that, do you think that that helped you, um, you know, a few years later when you started um, producing the the film demos, just the the connections you made, the people you met and everything like that?
2: Mm -hmm, 100%. Because everything is relationship-driven, right? So even those times when you and I started, I met, you know, certain people in different positions and I built and maintained those relationships throughout the years. So I, I never, I never had bad vibes with anybody or even if we did, it was always a respect level there. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I never took anything personal with business, but I knew that I had product that people didn't have and that they actually needed. So I was very aware of of how to play this game from, from the beginning. So all those relationships that I had, I still have them today. You know what I mean. I, I can still pick up the phone and call anybody. You know, so relationships is, is everything in this business.
1: Yeah, and speaking of um, like relationships, and um, you know, we listen to a lot of podcasts and everything like that, and um, you know, read a lot of different books and like talking about like the relationship building, like the jab, jab, right hook. So you know, you kind of give to people, give to people, and then when you have to ask for something, you know, that's kind of like the right hook. Right. You know that that Canelo, so to speak, um, uh-huh. sure. <laughs> of of asking for something, so. How do, you, how do you go about maintaining relationships? Like, you might not talk to somebody every day or every week or even every month, but you have to, you know, six months down the road, a year down the, down the line, you might have to go to somebody and ask somebody for something. So how do you find a balance and, you know, keep it in touch and kind of providing, adding value to somebody else's career or life or whatever, and then later on down the road, if you need something for them, asking for that favor?
2: You know, um, because this community that we're involved in is relatively small, especially as far as people that are really trying to make things happen. Cause a lot of people talk about, you know, doing things, but there's a, a select group of people that are actually out there making these things happen. So, mm-hmm. you know, because, you know, I did a lot of business over the internet via the email, I would just reach out and just say, Hey, you know, how you doing? Or, What's going on? Just yeah. checking in. It does not really have to be, anything drawing out or anything elaborate really it's just checking and see seeing what they're doing see if they actually might need anything for me you know what I mean um, and just showing them that I just support what they're, what they're doing now, a lot of times just doing that you stay fresh on people's minds you know what I mean um, it's really a you know a chess game you know versus checkers you really just have to just stay on top of stuff even if it's you know making a comment on somebody's um, post that they might have posted on, you know, Two Bill Boys, let's say, or whatever. Mm-hmm. They read those comments. They see those comments, and they take that as support, just like I would. So those little things definitely keep things kind of uh, in their face, but just kind of, not really in their face, but kind of just let them know that you're still there and you're supportive. supporter.
1: Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, and kind of speaking on the whole networking and to kind of circle back on the management things, I know we kind of talk about this a lot and. I'll get emails or you'll get emails or something from like an artist and it'll be like a, it'll be just like a track and it'll be like, check this out. Or it'll be like a random comment comment on Instagram or something like that, right? Um, So how how do you feel like, it? say if you were going to get back into management, how would you want artists to approach you? Because I know a lot of the times, even for me as a producer or photographer or whatever, I get turned Mm -hmm. off by the way some people hit me up. So what do you think are some good ways that, like, an artist can reach out to, like, the influencers or the managers, to the bloggers or whoever, um, just to Mm -hmm. kind of make contact, introduce themselves without seeming, you know, like they're thirsty for for the attention or the blog post or or whatever?
2: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we we joke about that all the time. Um, Because, yeah, I I still, even to this day, I haven't been in management for years, but I still get emails, uh, you know, requesting to be, you know, to uh, send an artist for management, or whatever the case is, you know what it's really simple, man, and I talk about this often <clears throat> is you have to understand the basics of writing an email. you know what I'm saying It's really just you know people overthink a lot of stuff, and that is always probably eighty five percent of the time their downfall mm-hmm. you know and, you know first of all, you want to have it you know make your email personal. you have to know who you're sending this email to mm. Mm-hmm. It could be as simple as um, using the BCC. A lot of people fail to do that. Yeah, I, you know what I mean? No. Yeah, it's just, it's just like, come on, man. Like, seriously. The email's been around forever. So it's just knowing who um, you are sending an email to. Proper English is always great. I've gotten emails where I just said, yo, you know, in the, in the subject. Yeah. And I'm like deleting that. If I don't know you personally, I'm deleting it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just really following the basics and be specific. Don't draw out. Don't send me your whole catalog. Don't don't send me unfinished product. I've gotten that email where oh here's some stuff I've been working on. It's not quite done yet. Mm-hmm. But I'm like yo, we not take the time to finish your, your stuff. You didn't you know approach me exactly. Um, and you know even if it's not me, if it's a blog or whatever, it's the same approach. It's not, there it, it isn't anything different. Say, hey, you know, this is my name. This is where I'm from. Here's my music. You know, here's how you can contact me. Put all the pertinent information in there. Don't overdo it.
3: Mm-hmm. And just
2: make it, you know, maybe a couple of sentences. You know what I mean? Not even, you know, people, I've seen, oh, my God, man. I've seen long, drawn-out emails. I'm like, I don't got the time. Yeah. I don't have the time to to read all this. Just get to the point. Be specific, use, you know, spell check, like, simple stuff. You know, it, you'll be surprised. That, that at least you get a response. I would definitely respond to that email. Yeah. Even if I don't like the music. Yeah.
1: I totally agree. I mean, that's my whole thing since, you know, t- even 10 years ago, the MySpace days and things like that. My whole thing was professionalism um, mm-hmm. and being, you know, respecting people's time, respecting their inbox, and just knowing that they're not going to read a long email. They're not going to listen to five or six songs you send them, especially if it's unsolicited. So just be real professional about it you know what I mean introduce yourself let them know what you're trying to do and even if it's even if you meet somebody in person like we were talking about just send them a thank you email be professional about it then you know that goes a long way because I've even had people years later be like man like when I met you you sent that follow-up email we stayed in touch and then you know they end up helping you out down the road so I think that's very important you know to just you know what that's key that's key
2: right there Reg is is um another aspect of it is, is the follow-up people under undervalue the follow-up um I've, I've generated quite a bit of business um, even at the time when, when we were working uh, just by following up mm-hmm. um, and I want people to really understand that that's a very good thing don't just think that because nobody responds to your email on the first time that they just dumped it if you if you sent a follow-up I would probably say between five and seven business days if after the original email uh, a good follow-up, I'm telling you, can really work because people are busy. That's, I mean, people are doing multiple things all day, and it's not because they're ignoring your email. They may have read your email and just haven't had have a moment to get back, but if you send these follow up that's always a good thing,
1: always a good thing. For episode two, we had Jay Rhodes, he's a music producer and he also wrote the book, These Beats Ain't Free. He travels around the country selling the book, speaking at SAEs and other music production schools around the country, selling it independently and already sold over 3000 copies himself. So he's a real hustle, he's really out there doing it. He's worked with people like Ab Soul, Talib Kweli, Black Thought, and a host of other people. So in this episode, we talk about sacrifice and we talk about social life and how you got to put in that time and work. So it's like, if you want to go out there and party or play your video games, you can either do that or you could be in the crib making your beats. You could be editing your photos. You could be out learning, doing internships and things like that. So we kind of talk about, you know, balancing that social life or even sacrificing that social life for your goals and your dreams. Let's talk about that word, sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of producers, like we kind of talked about it with the um, whole social media rapper, anybody, just the whole, you know, anybody who's trying to make it, you know, they they kind of see it, like they just see the glamour side of it. But can you touch on like an example or two of when you had to actually like make some sacrifices to make, to push your career forward? Hmm. Well, um, like I guess initially
4: and like I say, I'm still paying back loans on the speakers and some of the stuff I bought from my, you know, one of my loans. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. like I say, that that's helped me in my career. But that was initially like, you know, I could have did a lot of stuff, you know, dumber things with it. Like I remember before I got into beat making, I use, you know, and I'm not I'm not telling anybody to do this. But these are some of the things that I did, you know, coming up as a young 18, 19, 20 year old man. But
0: mm-hmm. I remember
4: one of my disbursement checks from school, you know. I bought some rims, you know what I mean? But then the next year, once I got into producing, I was like, hey, you know what I mean? I'm going to, you know, sacrifice and buy this music stuff. So that's mm-hmm. that's one as far as, like, social life. You know what I mean? Like, don't get it. You know, I'm still a sociable person, this, then, the third. But, like, seriously, since the moment that I was like, I'm going to be a producer, I can't think of a day that I didn't wake up, you know what I'm saying, kind of dedicating myself to mm-hmm. making a beat or doing something. It's like I base my day, you know, around you know my music of course you know what i'm saying till then when you have you know kids you may you know of course then the order of operations may change but music is still like you know one b you know what i mean so yeah, it's definitely. like de- dedication has just been like a lot of people i didn't go to a lot of parties i didn't you know even go to a lot of concerts you know of people that i wanted to hear because i was just so dedicated and still am so dedicated to my business um man just 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 so many so many sacrifice like at the Once you choose to, you know, be a be a musician, I mean, your whole your daily existence is a sacrifice, monetary 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 sacrifices, and all all kinds of uh, a list of things. I can go on and on, man. But ultimately, I think the sacrifice of dedication, like even little stuff, like um, and it may seem corny, but like I said, I used to be a heavy gamer. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that you can be a gamer and producer, because one of my favorite producers, Just Blaze, he proves that you can do both. But for me. I really wasn't able to. So anytime you know, I wanted to even you know like be a geek, not even a geek, but you know I used to love video games. Like my production became my video game. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it wasn't any more Maddens. I can't even remember the last time I really was good at Madden. Probably was '03. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So it's like you know you give something up just to like you say put in those 10,000 hours. And I, I I damn sure have put in probably twice if not three times is that I don't know. I put in a lot of hours into this and that, mm-hmm. that sacrifices because um. It's going to take a long time to do that, but before you know it, you do become a master after you put those 10,000 hours in. So I just, you know, jumped all in. So over the year, it was daily sacrifices.
1: Yeah, and I think that's so important, that daily sacrifice, because I was was the same way. Like, I mean, I would go out here and there, but a lot of times it was Friday nights, Saturday nights. I'm in the crib making beats. Yeah, You know what I mean? So these people who want to rap or these people who want to be producers are out in the club, you know, Thursday, Friday, Saturday night, and I'm making beats. And I got five, six, seven beats in. So... You know, you do have to give up, you know, that leisure stuff to get what you want. You know what I mean? Yeah, this is true. It, and especially when you like your, you know, your teens and your 20s, like, that stuff's always going to be there. Once you get a little older, you know that's always going to be there. Mm-hmm. So, and it's better when you have some little bit of money in your pocket exactly. and you're growing anyway. You know what, what the I mean?
4: Some real deal money. Like, if you actually want to do something, you know, it's a little... You know, yeah, little, little, exactly. A little, little, little better. So, yeah, and it's, yeah always, it's always
1: it's always going to be there. So you do have to sacrifice. And um, I think those people who do sacrifice are the ones that always rise to the top because they're the ones that going to stick with it. They're going to keep going. They're going to keep putting that time in um, and, and you know, make it come up. So this is true. Um, I want to touch on one more thing kind of about just like the social media and kind of take it offline because you were saying how you were just out in the streets um, around the city and and everything like that, and I was kind of like the same way. Like when I moved to LA, I'm out. I was out all the time, so it's just like you know meeting people in person and building those relationships. So how important is it actually to build those face to face relationships?
4: Um, it's it's very important. Like, um, I think don't get it twisted. It's still like is cool to use that social media. But at the end of the day, like, even when me just, like, I was a speaker at ASCAP and I started, like, having a lot of face-to-face meetings with a lot of the, you know, execs and other people there. And it's more like some stuff you can't get in the email. Like, even if at some point, like, some of your social media marketing, some of your music gets you in the room, at some point, you're going to have to get in the room with somebody Mm -hmm. to, like, be in the real world and make something happen. And you have to have those skills. You have to come off the same way in person as you do online, like, Um, To make more connections or whatever. So it's still like I say, I call social media the matrix You're gonna have to do some things in the real world And like I say that the only way that your social media for the most part really works for you is if you have something tangible Even if that's something tangible is just like a dope 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 beat, you know, what I mean, Mm -hmm. so Stuff still matters in the real world, you know, so it, it, it really it really matters and I think it's um It's overlooked how much the in person connections can kind of lead to something, too. So, man, I-, I would say that's the main course. Cause, like I say, at some point, somebody's gonna cut a check for you. Or at some point, if you're going to do something, you have to really, um, for the most part, like, if you really want to go real far in this career, you can't do it all on the internet, you know?
1: Yeah, nobody's, like, no, nobody's cutting checks over DMs.
4: Exactly. They're not cutting checks over DMs. And then, like I say, still, what's the biggest thing that artists, you know, make their money for? Even if they touring producers or DJs, at the end of the day, what you can't um, beat. Is that personal connection at a show? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or even if if you're vibing, get to get a chance to vibe with the artist in the studio. It's still that personal connection, and that's something that social media can't recreate. So um, that stuff is is very important. And I think me and you, we come from the generation before the internet, so we ha- we know how to navigate between both. Mm-hmm. But um, it's still it's still like I say at the end of the day, like you say, nobody's really cutting huge checks over social media. So you have to you have to like have that tangible presence in real life.
1: In episode three, we had freelance photographer, Kathleen Clark. Kathleen has a really dope story because she basically details the story of when she had a nervous breakdown in her old office job and how she pretty much just said, you know what, I'm gonna quit this. I'm gonna go back to school. I'm gonna learn the science of photography and build a business around it. And that's exactly what she did. So we talk about hustling and we talk about doing your own thing versus working for someone else and then just having the passion in your work and just going out there and really doing it and making it happen because you know that doing it for yourself and working for yourself is so much more fulfilling than working for someone else. Kind of like for you, what is like your definition of hustling? Like you hustle a full-time photography business, you make a living off of it. So like, what is hustling to you as far as like the business goes?
5: Uh well, I think it's just not giving up and finding a way to do it. I was really, really broke for a long time. Mm -hmm. But I was just having this conversation with somebody the other night who is going through a sort of similar, I guess, awakening where they're not happy at their job and they want to get out and pursue their art. But money is a huge factor. And that is I have heard so many times from people, you know, that full-time job is paying my bills and I have health insurance and I have this. And I am happy to say I have health insurance for the first time in five years, which is mm-hmm. really exciting.
1: Yeah, totally. But I, know, I know that feeling.
5: <laughs> for me, quality of life, that internal satisfaction to just be alive is more important than anything else that could exist. And I don't want to be homeless, but... I would much rather have nothing tangible in front of me than be in an unhappy life. It just, Mm -hmm. there is no way around it. And so with that in mind, you just find the work, you find the jobs, you find the money. Um, I've only been a full-time photographer for... four or five years now. Before that, I had little side jobs here and there. Mm -hmm. But uh, it it was very important to me to be able to get off of someone else's clock. I did not Mm want to work for someone else. And I think... Uh it's also just you know you just go do it whether that's creating instead of waiting for your inspiration you just go create something or instead of waiting for somebody to call you and hire you you go find people you get the word out um I've been to a couple little networking things here and there and it's not an overnight fix but mm-hmm. just to get your name out because if your name isn't out there people don't know you exist and if they don't know you exist they can't hire you it's that simple so you really just have to put yourself out there and put your work out there and keep going until I don't even know. I mean, I, there, I don't even know if there's an end goal. You just keep doing it.
1: Mm-hmm. And I think that's very important, for, especially like for young, aspiring, whatever, you know, art, art that a person wants to do is that you have to do it, number one. And then you have to just keep going because it's not going to be easy. It's not going to, you know, you're not going to make a million dollars just when you start or anything like that.
5: Oh, no, not, you know not even being? close.
1: <laughs> You know, so you have to really just, just put the time in, put the effort in and just keep hustling, keep working, and then things will come from that. You know what I mean? And I always look yeah. at it as um as everything you do is a building block, right? So every song you make, every photo you, you do, every, you know, thing that you shoot video-wise, every design that you do when you're graphic designing, it's just a building block. You're getting better, number one. And then number two, you know, you, you're, you're just building your portfolio, you're building your experience, and then... When that opportunity comes, you're prepared for it, you're ready for it, and you can just jump in, and then that's when you can start making your money and things like that.
0: Um,
5: Yeah, and I think think also there has to be an incredibly high level of passion that goes with mm -hmm. it. I have met a ton of photographers who are out doing shoots all the time, and they just want to hit it big, whether that's Facebook fame, Instagram fame, Mm -hmm. financial fame, whatever it might be. But there's no creativity. There's no excitement, no passion. They're just doing it because it's it's now a cool job to have. Mm-hmm. And I think that probably applies to anything, music, dance, whatever it is that you're going to make. If you want to make ice cream, hell, we'll throw that in the mix. Mm-hmm. There has to be some kind of passion behind it because like we both were just saying there are going to be days that are miserable where nobody wants to hire you nobody's giving you good feedback you feel like the world is crumbling down around you that passion is going to be the one thing that gets you out of bed and keeps you moving that's literally all you will have at times so you have to have that and if you're if you're hustling for something that you're not solely invested in it's going to kind of be half-assed because your your heart's not in it so you're just going to keep working and working and then you know you're a hamster in a wheel you're not getting anywhere it's like well do you actually care about that Mm -hmm. project that you're working on and if you don't you'll i don't think you'll ever get anywhere
1: Yeah, and I think it shows, too, when you don't have the passion. Like, eventually, it's going to show through your work. It's going to show just when you speak to people and things like that. So you have to be passionate about what you're doing. Don't do something just because you think it's cool. Don't Mm -hmm. do something because you see, you know, somebody on Instagram has a million followers off taking photos of their dog or whatever, you know. So you got (laughs) to, you know, you have to really be passionate about it. And and you kind of touched on something as well I want to ask you about. Like, how do you, you know, like I said, the Instagram age and people getting popular off of that and and Facebook and everything, how do you redefine success for yourself. Cause for, you know, this has kind of been a, a reoccurring thing with people I've been talking to and you know, you can't compare yourself to other people cause you have to define success for yourself. So that could be anything cause everybody's different. Right. So if you're in music, like everybody's not going to be Timberland and Pharrell. If you're right, you know, in the photography, you're not going to necessarily be an Instagram photographer that's got, you know, 2 million followers or something like that. So how do you, how did you define success for yourself? And how does that play into everything that you do on a daily basis?
5: Well, I think I am both successful and not successful. And the successful side, I believe that I am because I do it for a living and mm-hmm. I don't have another job. So that in and of itself is success to me. I don't have to work at Starbucks. I don't have to work at Burger King. I mm-hmm. can take pictures and that's it. And that's enough for me. Mm-hmm. Um I am not successful because part of my big picture plan is to take over the world <laughs> and that, that, hasn't, name, yeah. that hasn't happened yet. So I'm still, I'm still searching for that. Um, but I, I actually, so recently I have started sort of investing in myself and my own personal art with, uh, like a, taking a path towards fine art photography Mm -hmm. and it's something that I've always enjoyed doing whether it's storytelling or just creating what I think are pretty images Um, so this is a whole new path that I'm on even though I've been shooting for forever and getting paid for a long time now This is brand new territory for me. So I've had to sort of figure out, okay, what are my goals in this? What is the end game in all of this? And I don't necessarily know that I have one because I've been through enough in my life to know that plans don't ever work out the way that you want them to. Mm -hmm. But ideally, what I would love is just to be recognized for my work. Like I said, I don't like being in front of the camera, so I don't need people to know who I am. I just want them to know what my work is, and that would be awesome. If I could get paid to be a fine art photographer, that would be really cool. But I'm in love with what I do with my commercial photography, so I'm happy to do both of them, or one versus the other. It it doesn't matter to me. As long as I can keep shooting until the day I die, I'll be a happy person.
1: In episode four, we had designer and illustrator Brandon Baderman, AKA 6B Artwork. I ran across Brandon on Instagram. He's a very, very dope illustrator. He actually just dropped an exhibit out in Portland where he featured um, Kendrick Lamar and Kanye and Andre 3000 and a whole bunch of other dope, dope hip hop artists. And he drew these amazing, amazing portraits. So go check him out at 6B Artwork on Instagram. In this episode, we talk basically about building your own portfolio and being proactive in your career and how some of his drawings, particularly one of Ron Swanson from Parks and Rec, actually landed him an internship at Reebok and then eventually his job at Adidas. So definitely, definitely check out the full episode, but here's a clip of some of the stuff that we talked about in episode four. You kind of mentioned you're always kind of working on your own stuff and building your portfolio and things like that, like yeah. How, how important do you think it is for somebody who's who wants to eventually land a job or a position or even freelance you know with bigger companies or just with dope companies in general to always be like working on their portfolio putting the best stuff out there building you know building followers on the mm-hmm. internet and all that kind of stuff how important is that do
3: you i think i think that that's been that's been super crucial um in my you know short journey so far mm-hmm. um really it's, it's been, you know, just Instagram in general has been the only place that I really, other than my website, it's the only place that I've really displayed my work. Mm -hmm. Um, and it has been the place where all of the freelance work that I've done, everything, pretty much everything that all the work that I've ever done has come through connections that I've made on Instagram or people finding my Instagram page and reaching out through that. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's, it's been this incredibly, powerful and important resource that you know is free and it just like it's it's absolutely wonderful but i think that it's it's really important um to you know to kind of curate yourself on there Mm -hmm. and to be consistent with your output on there um and i think that's with anything whether it's instagram or behance or whatever your your platform of choice is um i think that those two things just kind of kind of curating what you put out and making sure that you're you know they, that even even if you get busy that like it's still nice to kind of keep a somewhat steady stream of work going um but also having some sort of an audience is almost motivation to keep putting out work mm-hmm. um you know having having any sort of follower base is just kind of it's like a nice i guess yeah it's a nice motivation to to you know like Oh, like I'm thinking about this idea. Should I bring it to life? It's like, yeah, you know, like put it out there and see what people think about it. Exactly. Um, so yeah, so it's, it's just kind of, it's, it's kind of a nice motivational tool. Um, that being said, it, it is kind of easy to get caught up in it. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's really dangerous if you start creating just for the sole purpose of sharing it. Um, and things stop coming from a place of passion. You know, if you if you're feeling obligated to to share things just because you think that people are watching, I don't think that that's you know healthy or a good way to view it. Mm-hmm. Um, you should always just be putting out things that you actually want to share, not just putting things out there because you feel like you should be sharing. You know
1: in episode five we had lifestyle photographer joe ortega joe i also met on instagram and we kind of met at around the same time we both picked up photography because we were shooting with the same camera and we kind of discovered each other through Hashtag. So he has a really interesting story about some of the big bands that he shoots. But the interesting thing about Joe, he's actually a family man as well. So he talks about planning and scheduling with his wife and working around his kids schedule and his work schedule to get in his music photography and his lifestyle photography. So it's a really dope conversation just about community and friends and family and how you can incorporate your creativity centered around that and within that. So check it out. So let's talk about um, hustle. I know you had mentioned a little bit, you're a, you know, you're a family man. You seem like you definitely pour a lot of time into your family just based off the photos that you're posting and things like that. And even, um, you know, we kind of chatted a little bit yesterday. You said it's like, you might go to bed at like 1, one thirty, and then your daughter <laughs> woke up and things like that. So yeah, yeah. how do you uh, find balance in that? And then, you know, between family and your day job and then photography, and then how do you define hustle? dude it's 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 weird man it's it's really tough um you know for a long time for
6: a very long time and i'm talking up until the time i started doing photography mm-hmm. you know I, I just wanted to play music you know I, I had my job but you know whether it was at home or recording or playing in a band or whatever it was you know, i just wanted to play music that was that was where my passion was and it was it became an outlet so you know i was kind of talking earlier that you know early in, in high school i got into playing music and it just became one of those things where it, and again, a cliche, but you, you learn to cope with yourself via, you know, an, a creative outlet. And for me, for a long time, it was music. And I really didn't think I would ever have something else that would supplement or trump music in the creative process. And that's what photography has become for me. So it, it, my wife is fantastic at, um, you know, kind of managing the week with with me and the kids, and allowing me to have some time to go out and do that because. I just kind of get into this like real negative headspace if I don't have that opportunity to go out and create something, and unless you're like that, it sounds crazy. You know, like my wife almost doesn't even understand it because she's not really of that that kind of creative process. But she knows that it's that's how it is for me, but that's not how it is for her. And I almost feel kind of a little, you know loopy just talking to other people who aren't like that but it's a real thing like i have to have some time to go out and, and make something if it's a song if it's a picture mm-hmm. um you know if it's just writing some words down or whatever it is i, I need to just depressurize myself in, in some sort of creative aspect mm-hmm. um and so you know now it's 99 percent photography whereas other things before so um so me and my wife have this calendar that we have on our fridge and we write down for the week what we're doing. So I'll try, you know, once a week, once every two weeks to set outside some some real time to go out and do some photography stuff. Um, or if a show's coming through, I'll write it on the calendar. Outside of that, you know, I, I've got my eight to five, come home, um, spend some time with the kids. They go to bed around like eight, nine o'clock, you know, so I'm only seeing them for several hours. Mm-hmm. Um, my daughter's 19 months and she refuses to learn how to sleep through the night. So we were kind of talking about that. Yeah, she, uh, yeah, the other night she was, she was down and then I was getting ready to go to bed. I was working on some, some editing for this, this project and, uh, yeah, it's like one o'clock in the morning and get ready to go to sleep and wiped. I'm so exhausted. And then she just starts crying. I'm like, oh man, I gotta get up. I gotta go. I gotta go do dad stuff now at one o'clock in the morning. So I don't know, man, like, I guess being a dad, you know, far and above exceeds and trumps everything that I do. So mm-hmm. it, it's, it, you know, absolutely, you know, it's one o'clock in the morning, I'm exhausted, I'm tired, but you know, that, that's what we have to do. Um, you know, same thing for my wife, you know, we, we have a, a really good balance and, you know, what we're doing and she's a stay at home mom, she's a stay at home wife. And so she's, she's doing it all the time and, and to watch her manage that family dynamic and you know, me come home after work Mm-hmm. and try to take it over i'm like yo, oh, how do you do this <laughs> two kids is that'll drive you crazy yeah it could be a lot for sure yeah so you know just it, i don't know just kind of filling it out and, and just kind of going with the flow you know if it's on the weekends and we don't have anything booked you know, like just take the family to the park or let's go out to eat or, you know mm-hmm. let's let's go do something um so it it, it is it is a task, man. It feels like juggling chainsaws at times of you know between work and, and family and and trying to get the photography thing in. Um, it, it, you find it. it. It's it's one of those things that you, you kind of have to be in it to learn it. Mm-hmm. And it, there's it's probably different for everybody, you know. But for me, I, I have to say that if it wasn't for my wife Laura, you know, I. I I couldn't do it, you know. It was, it, it just wouldn't be. And I know that there's probably, you know, other relationships where, you know, guys probably don't get that much opportunity to have some time to do the things that I do. Mm-hmm. So it, I, I recognize the, you know, the, the generosity of my wife in, in letting me do these things because, you know, for me it, it feels like a necessity. I need to get out and do it. So it, it's a, it, it's a real partnership in, in that aspect. I, I couldn't do it alone.
1: In episode six, we have my man Wax. He is a very, very dope musician, talented rapper, YouTuber, stand-up comedian. He does a bunch of different things. A very, very talented dude. And we basically talked about what made him keep going in his career because he was in a band that was touring and doing a bunch of shows and the band fell apart. But what was it in him that made him want to keep going and keep pushing forward in his career that eventually led to over 100 million views and streams on the internet, performing in front of 80,000 people at big festivals, to having the number one record, and everything in between. So we talk about that. We also talk about his definition of success. So here's a snippet of episode six featuring wax I, n- I know you said you still had to work jobs you got to pay bills and stuff like that yeah. but what made you keep going with the music and going to learn pro tools and stuff instead of just like saying well we had a good run i'm just going to work this nine to five for the rest of my life
7: yeah well what what, what happened was i was i was the, one, the main one that didn't want the band to stop
1: mm-hmm.
7: but once, the, once the band did stop I, tr- I tried to quit i tried to I tried to be like, look, this is like in my head. And this is me in my head talking to myself. Look, you know, this is this is irrational. This doesn't make sense. You got a, you got a college degree, you know. You got and I had a girlfriend. Like, let's get a job and blah. You know, trying to be, I guess, kind of what you would call the regular uh, lifestyle. And then, you know, I tried that and I tried all these things, and it got to a point where, you know, I got, I think that there's just it's just something inside of you, man. Like mm-hmm. when I, I got to the certain point where I just had to give it a shot. And then after you try and try and keep going and keep going and develop some success and some success, you eventually get to a point where now all of a sudden it's actually more logical to be, do music than it is to go back to doing something else. You know what I mean? Like yeah. at this, at this point I have more potential making
1: money to make money doing music than I could if I
7: tried to like go back to a
1: job. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. And I think that, like, when you have when you feel like you have that something in you, especially, like, for, you know, any creatives that are listening to this right now, it's, like, for me personally anyway, like, I couldn't have lived with myself if I didn't at least give it a shot. Like, if I didn't move to L.A., I didn't know anybody but a few people and just get out there and just hustle and start meeting people. Like, if I didn't do that, I would have regrets, and that would have, like, killed me more than, like, sitting in a cubicle <clears throat> or, or doing whatever, you know? So, um, so the band, and, and not
7: everybody, not everybody, quote unquote, like makes it, and that's I mean that that's a whole other topic is like mm-hmm. what is making it, but you, you, you know, uh, there's just some there's just something that, that'll make you like take for example, I had a friend that was in our band, he was the percussion player in our band, mm-hmm. and uh, eventually one day it was really fucking sad, man. He was a good friend, and we had to kick him out the band because he just wasn't really that good. He was kind of like the weakest link in the band. And what was telling, what was telling about it is after he got kicked out, he was kind of in the band as a friend. And what was telling is after he got kicked out, he never played percussion again. It's because it wasn't in him, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? It wasn't in him to be a percussion player. And you know, somebody like you, or, or somebody like my like my brother has a family and he works a nine to five, and he's still like he's got that itch. And at night, he at night he makes music. I keep he, he doesn't do it because somebody's telling him to, you know. Mm-hmm. It's yeah.
1: I definitely think it is about just, and we can, I'm probably going to ask you some questions on this in a little bit after we kind of work through the story. But I do think that like, if you have something in you, like you kind of make it work for yourself. So it's like, even with myself, it's like, I just like to create. And I had, it took me a long time to figure out that it doesn't have to be just music. Exactly. So it's like once yeah. I picked up, you know, and, and I, you know, we're going to talk about, you know, chain reaction, all that kind of stuff as well and your stand up. But I mean, for me, like with, I picked up photography and it's like, now my job is literally I just take photos and shoot video all day. And it's like, I just like to create, you know what I mean? So it's not so bad to necessarily have that nine to five. If you're doing what you like to do and I can still come home and make music and do all that other kind of stuff as well. So, um, so a couple more things, um, you kind of alluded to it earlier and talked about it, but I'm going to just kind of ask you in a more direct way. Right. So what, is like your definition of success and was there like a time along the way where you had to like redefine it for yourself? Cause like for me personally, it's like the mid early mid two thousands, it was like Pharrell Timberland, Pharrell Timberland. And it's like, not everybody's going to be a Pharrell or a Timberland. It's like, how did you have to like redefine success and be comfortable in like what you accomplished and, and things like that.
7: That's really interesting. Um, I, I always, I always, even I used to say this in class when I, uh, when when they we would get asked about this when I went to that recording school that was in 2007 I used to always say success for me is is being able to make a living doing music you know mm-hmm. that was to be able to make a living but the fucked up thing about success is once you get to that level it's like especially especially if you have people around you especially if you get a record deal and you have high expectations like you can't just have that anymore you mm-hmm. know what i mean you better find a new Definition, you know what I mean. Now, even though you didn't want to be Jay Z slash Eminem slash Lil Wayne, you know now you got to try to be that. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, so it's difficult. And 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 at a point, like you know, I did I did want to be like that. I did want to be, you know, rich and famous for for sure. But I think looking back at it, I think my initial my initial thing on success was probably better for me and i like i like to go to the grocery store and, and and be able to be have my privacy and shit like that
1: In episode seven, we had Simonilla, who's a very dope music producer, songwriter, vocal arranger and audio engineer. So we talk about a lot of interesting things in this episode, how he basically moved to Philly, not really knowing anybody. He didn't have a place to stay, ran out of money and even had to spend some nights sleeping in a train station. So he talks about some things that he saw in there, how he would talk to security guards and be like, "Yo, you know, just watch out for me and things like that. And basically, I had no choice but to follow his dreams and make his dreams a reality. So he wanted it that bad that he took those major risks to build a career, and that's exactly what he did. So it's a very dope story. We talk about having faith in yourself and your abilities and just going all out for it. So here's a clip of of episode seven with Simonilla.
0: And I even told when I left the record label, you know, that I was working with, I told them, I said, no disrespect, but I want to do this for the rest of my life. And if you want it to, I'll see you again. If you don't, I won't. Mm-hmm. And because I was producing, uh, I had produced twenty three records by the time I moved back home, which was in two thousand. Mm-hmm. Twenty three albums, nothing to show for it. You know, I was broke, and and, and I, you know, I had some connections in Philly. I had this. I think I was only back home for like three months. It's all I could stand. Mm-hmm. And I got, I found that I could get to Philly with this train ticket. And so I was like, this is it. Because I didn't care. I did not care anymore. Like, I was really that low where I was like, I don't care what happens to me. I don't mean that in a bad way. And I'm not encouraging people to go do dumb stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, because even someone in my, not even in my position, physically, you know, because people are like, wait, what did you do? Because I remember when I went to Philly and was getting meetings at record labels, they're like, wait, what did you do? You just left home. You don't have a place to live. I'm like, yeah. They're you know, like, man, that, that takes some guts, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, you know what I'm? scared as hell every day, but what am I going to do? I don't know what else to do with myself. This is what I had, you know? So it just became that. It was, I literally got down to no choice. Mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't want to choose. I was like, I don't, it, 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 it's almost like it chose me. That sounds really weird. But, you know what I mean? I was like, I, this is what I have to do. Mm-hmm. I was compelled.
1: So, like, when you, when you went to Philly and you're out there and you, like, ran out of money and, um, you know, you were staying in hotels and I even read that you, like, stayed at the train station sometimes. Like, what was going through your mind in those moments? Uh,
0: you know, I don't think anything was because if it was, I'd be smarter. Um, now that I'm older, mm-hmm. of course, you get older, you think, oh, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. But what, what I found early on was honesty always wins. Mm-hmm. When I was honest with people, when I was in a train, I would sleep in the Philly train station um, when I didn't have a place to stay because I would just talk to the security there. Mm-hmm. I would tell them the truth. I'm a record producer. I'm, I'm looking for work. I'm not a bum. I'm not going to ask for money. I'm not going to, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, you just keep an eye out for me so nobody robs me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and, and, and please, and if you need me to leave, I will. I'm not going to put up a fight. But I just found that when I was honest with people, and said, look, this is what I'm really trying to do. Just things worked out. There's a lot of things in my career I can't explain. That is one of them. I mean, I've had had some brushes with some interesting people and then seen some things in some public bathrooms at four in the morning that I don't wish upon anyone. Um, And coming from a small town, you know what I mean? You go to a big city, you're like, whoa, okay. You learn quick. You know what I mean? And and I just threw my – it's that whole thing of people, like, there's no preparing. It's just go freaking do it. And just like you said, I couldn't tell my grandparents what I was doing. Mm-hmm. I had to – because, you know, they would have had a heart attack, multiple heart attacks. I was just like they had to – I just had to trust me. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not, what's the worst that's going to happen? You know what I mean? Uh, I mean, actually, a lot of things could happen. But I just looked past all that, and it was even to this day. It's very strange mm-hmm. that a lot of the things I can't really explain. Especially growing up with a—I I hate the word disability—but in the physical circumstance that I had, mm-hmm. people are like, "Wait, you never broke a bu-? It's like, yeah, I, no. Like when I moved out, like you know, all these—I just never got hurt, and like it—it's kind of miraculous in a strange, you know, mystical way. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Let me let me ask you, because you said you um, you basically looked past, you know, your current circumstances because, you know, you're focused on your goals and what you wanted to do. And I I even think back like there was times in L.A. when like, you know, I would work now when I look back, I'm like, maybe I should have got a full time job and then just stayed up later or something. But I would work like part time jobs and rent was so expensive that I didn't really have much extra money. So sometimes I'd like be so hungry. I would just like sleep half the day. And wake wake up and eat McDonald's and then, you know, work Work. until I got hungry again and just go back to sleep for the night. So it's like, what What? do you think it is in people that, in creatives who like get to the next level that where they have just kind of like that stubborn like faith Faith. and belief that they're gonna make it? Like, did did you obviously, did you think that you had that or did you notice that at the time?
0: Yeah, I did. I mean, I had. I had the utmost faith in myself. Mm-hmm. Um, that was that's the only thing that led me to to leap that far. You know, it was like sometimes I did stuff and was like, "Whoa, I did that!" Because if I thought about it too much, I wouldn't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I just had to had to leap and and, and do it. And you know, one one thing you brought up because you talked about you know having a part time job and, and and even going back to your adversity thing. Um, you know, when I was at, at this time, I was like. 22, 23, and I moved to Philly, and and I ended up finding an apartment in a hotel where I stayed a lot. It was basically an extended stay hotel. I ended up living there for seven years. Mm -hmm. But the ironic thing was not ironic, but the thing was that my father had passed some years before that he committed suicide, and I was getting disability checks from the government. Mm -hmm. Um, So, and it was just enough money to cover my rent in this place in Philly. And to me, it was a sign. Well, I don't care what people believe, whatever. To me, it was like, I have to do this. Mm -hmm. That's what this money is for. This is like my dad, in a way, looking at me going, man, you better do this. Mm -hmm. You know, this is, you'll figure out the rest. You'll figure out, you know, and, and that's what I did. It was just like, It was there and I I jumped on it and that just made everything else possible.
1: In episode eight, we had TV producer and digital writer, Courtney Garcia, she works on The Ellen Show, and we talked about a lot of cool things in this episode, such as a side hustle and how important it is, even if you do have a job, and if you're creative, to you still have something on the side that you wanna do. It could be a passion project, it could be a side business, or just a side hustle and things that you like to do, cause it's gonna keep you fresh in your day job, and it's gonna keep you motivated every day. So we talk about side hustles and always striving for more and never being content. And where you're at but always trying to get to the next level after you do actually achieve those goals
8: the thing is you never want to, i i never want to be content i always mm-hmm. want to be striving for something mm-hmm. and so i i don't know how su- how to look at success because um i i just don't i hope that i'm always wanting more Mm-hmm. and i hope that i always feel like there's higher i could go so you can have like success at different levels and so in and sort of in, in in that way and 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 other things too like there's little baby successes so like support yourself <laughs> success yeah. you know <laughs> that that actually is a big success especially you know?
1: as a especially as a creator for sure oh
8: yeah so that's a success so there's like levels of success but to me there's not like one like hey you hit the top of the mountain cuz mm-hmm. i think you you just always want to keep climbing um but as for but there is like a goal like for me a goal is that i like make something happen that i did mm-hmm. so and it's weird because it sort of feels like that. Oh, like, well I had, I wrote an article, but like a real thing that's just me. Like, I don't know. I don't want to say that I'm running a company cause I don't know if that's the, how it materializes. But um, like that to me is like a big goal, but success is it's just ongoing.
1: Yeah. I think it's, um, you know, everybody always says it's a marathon and not a sprint and it, yeah. it definitely is a marathon. Like it's, you you set a goal you kind of set baby goals smaller goals and you reach those and you set something like a little bit higher and you just kind of keep it moving and going from there so i i yeah. definitely understand and get that for sure um so kind of switching back to social media and like side hustles and, and things like that like these days you know you see everybody online i mean you spend you know five minutes on instagram you're gonna see somebody posting about what they're doing or what they're about to do or, or whatever, you know what I mean? So like, what is kind of like your definition of like hustling?
8: Um, hustling is, um, yeah, well, I think hustling in it, it, the sort of way I was saying just a few minutes ago is, it's, it's never being content and always like, like always working t- to, to push yourself further. Mm-hmm. So, and it doesn't mean that if you don't hustle, you're not a good employee or worker. Mm-hmm. I just know some people that are like, "Yep, got my nine to five job, fine with me," and then I'm just gonna go home and hang with my friend, and that's a fine, great life. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, like, I a lot. I mean, I. I don't even want to say I put off having a family because I would probably have a family right now if I had like a boyfriend and everything. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it's not, but like to me, my priority has always been my work and my career. And it's just, you're never settled. You're always going, going, going. And you're always trying to think of how you can have another opportunity and make an opportunity better. And you're doing everything possible um, to get to that point. And mm-hmm. so you don't, and, and, and it's not like a, it's like a, diz- it's like, and, and you get invited to something. And even if you could go, you don't want to go because you'd rather be working on mm-hmm. your, your, your project or something like that. Those are like the real hustlers that are just like, can't stop. They can't stop thinking about it and pushing and trying everything.
1: Yeah. And that's kind of interesting. Cause that's kind of like a, a common thread with several people that I, I talked to. And um, actually like in the second episode with, with Jay Rhodes, this music producer, um, we kind of were talking about that. It's just like, you know, you can go out to the club or, you know, you can play video games or whatever, or you can sit here and make these beats and like write these songs, you know? And yeah. and he chose to, you know, make make the beats. And, you know, he ended up on a, number one on the chart several times from that. So, yeah. you know, I think it is kind of something just this in creatives who are actually successful is like kind of delaying gratification, I guess you could say. Like, you're not going to go out oh, tonight. Yeah. You're going to work on your project. You're going to put a little bit of time in every day because you know that time is going to add up. And it's going to get you to where you're trying to be.
8: Yeah, I mean it's 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 like sacri- it's the sacrifice mm-hmm. uh, element that I think a lot of people. That's really what makes a hustler is they're willing to sacrifice. Because I know um, for Ellen, like I get up at 4:30 in the morning because I know that's when I'm going to find stuff before other people. But that mm-hmm. means I'm just always tired. So I'm super lame. Like people, I don't even want to go to dinner with people during the week. Because I'm like, no, I just need to go home and, like, lay there for a second and go to bed. Because I'd rather, like, not be tired and miserable and wake up and miss something Mm -hmm. um, than, you know, we'll just have dinner on the weekend.
1: In episode nine, we had voiceover stage and screen actor, Joey Maxwell. So we talked about the importance of dabbling and how important it is to kind of dabble in different things, especially around your trade. So if you're an actor, maybe direct a video. If you're a music producer, maybe write a song because it's only gonna help you to kind of see where people are coming from in their point of view and their job. So it will kind of help you do your job better. So here's a clip of that conversation. how important is it to kind of, cause for me, I like to dabble, right? So it was always music for me. And then it's like, I got into photography. Well, I actually started with video. Then it was like music mostly. And then it was like photography and then graphic design and things like that. So how important is it kind of for like your creativity and your creative process to stay fresh to kind of dabble in the two different things. So I know like for me, like once I got into photography my music got better and then I started making videos and things like that. So how does that, you know, get into video from doing voiceover and then doing acting, how does that help you create Creatively.
9: You know, it's so funny. My wife makes fun of me all the time because I, I, she says that I don't ever stick with just one thing. And mm-hmm. in some ways, she's right. Uh, but ultimately, I, I can't sit still. Mm -hmm. I think like a lot of creative people, I have to be up and moving and creating and doing and working all the time. Um, And so I'm always learning something new. And so, you know, now the past few years, it's been videography, cinematography, photography, uh, filmmaking. And so I'm I'm learning all of these things. And as I do, I find that it doesn't distract me from my voiceover or my acting. Mm -hmm. It simply adds to it. Because now being on the other side of it, on the production side, where I'm writing scripts and storyboarding and uh, uh, spending time behind the camera and in the editing station. Um, Now, as a voice actor, screen actor, and stage actor, I'm able to think about all of that work from the creative team side. Mm -hmm. And it gives me a whole other view of what the rest of the industry is like. And in doing so, it makes me that much better at my acting. So it actually adds a lot to it because I'm able to think about my voice acting or my screen or stage acting like a director would or like a screenwriter would. And that has been huge. It has opened up a whole new world of acting for me simply by learning all of these other parts of the trade.
1: Yeah, I'm sure. And I I bet it also um, helps to, you know, I guess help, people to work with you better because you understand what they're going through and then you can kind of see things from their perspective. So it's like if even if it's like a client who might not like the first read or two, like you can kind of put yourself in their shoes and be like, okay, I see where they're coming from. And it's gonna help you to, you know, provide a better service and better voiceover work and things like that. So
9: Oh absolutely. No, it's been it's been tremendous in that regard because like I said, now I can think about it from all these different perspectives. So
1: there you have it. That was episode 10 of the Creative Masters podcast. Thank you guys so much for your support and listening. If you're a new listener, please feel free to go back and listen to all of the previous episodes. You can hear the complete stories from all the guests that we had on the podcast. Also, if you guys would go to iTunes and leave a five-star rating as well as write a review and share it out with your friends on social media, we would definitely appreciate that. I could be followed at Nobody Famous on Instagram and Twitter. And don't forget to follow Machine Masters at Machine Masters on Instagram and Twitter. And check out MachineMasters.com if you're a beat maker, a music producer, or audio engineer and looking to learn more about your craft and join a dope community. Next week, we got a brand new episode. Until then, this is Nobody Famous. Peace.